Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt. You on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Please share the podcast. If you want to rate the podcast and give us five stars, that would be fantastic. But mostly share. That's what we appreciate the most. We're going to switch it up just a little bit on this podcast instead of, you know, rolling into the game recap. We're going to fire out of the gates with the game recap. Then maybe it'll kind of get into a different topic of conversation. And then we're going to finish up with more of the housekeeping items. Yep. Is that yep. fair enough? Yep. Okay. A lot of housekeeping at the end here. Yeah. It is. Tis the season for housekeeping. It is. A lot of comings and goings in the Big Ten. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. So first up, kind of a daylight, a dollar short, I guess, to a certain degree. It's Friday uh, night when we record this, but uh, we had a football contest on Monday. It seems like it was longer than just Monday. You correct? know, I was, I was thinking about, we, we recorded, it's been nine days, okay. but it seems like a month since yes, we recorded. It does. In that time, we had a college football national championship, Alabama 52, Ohio State 24. Alabama had 621 yards of total offense to the 341 yards of Ohio State. Um, into the game, uh, I just could not make up my mind on what I thought this game was going to be. I had two warring factions in my Mm -hmm. head of what I thought. Okay. The first one was Alabama is as good as advertised. They're just that much better than everybody else. Put some money on Alabama minus it was pretty much eight, eight and a half by the time the game Mm -hmm. started. Uh, I've saw some as high as nine, nine and a half. Then the other thought process I had was just look at this as simple as can be. Clemson was presumed to be the second best team in the country. Alabama handled them up front. They're just that good. They're going to hang with Bama and make this a game. Those were the two things in my head. I couldn't make up my mind. I mean, I was definitely considering both of those, but I really felt like it was the latter. Like we were going to see two evenly matched teams. As... The evening went on and we built towards the game and you kept hearing more and more Ohio State dudes yeah, yeah. that were out. Right. I, I got less confident about seeing too. a good game, unfortunately. Now I don't want to I'm not blaming the loss on on them being down players and, and we'll talk about Justin Fields. I'm not blaming the lot. I think Bama was probably the better team. Even if, if they both came in at full strength, I think if they played ten games, Bama would have won six or seven of those. That is fair. I, but to to say that Trey Sermon going out means nothing is no that was that's huge. ridiculous that but, that was the gut punch of all gut punches like the only other person going out of that game that could have affected the game more was of course Justin Fields yeah Trey Sermon had become the quasi identity of the Ohio State football team yeah. in the last two games, losing that dude on literally his first carry in the game, or maybe it was the well, second. So, no, he he injured himself on the first carry, but the next tr- play they threw that swing pass to him. And I can't, I can't remember if he caught it or dropped it, but it, it was clear at that point he had been injured on the previous play. So, I mean, I think he only got two offensive snaps. That's tough. 
That is tough. I mean, that's horrible. And then then you start mixing in the dudes that were out on the D line. I mean, what's what's funny is I see all the time on Twitter that after quarterback, the position group that means the most to any football team is the D line. Yeah. (laughs) Losing two of your best players from the D line. Togiai and and Smith were both out for the, that was huge. I was, I was scared about that going into the game. Although I will say they did a pretty good job limiting Bama on the ground. Up front, fair enough. So they still they did they, but they didn't get pressure there. You go at all on Mac Jones, which they could have gotten out of Toga and Smith. Yeah, the rushing was almost identical, one forty seven to one fifty seven. Obviously, a gigantic difference in the passing, roughly two hundred to four hundred and sixty four yards passing for Alabama. Almost all of that in the first half, and almost all of those passing yards to their. Amazing wide receiver, the Heisman Trophy winner, a.k.a. Slim Shady. He showed out in that game. Holy shit. He did. 12 receptions for 215 yards and three touchdowns all in the first half. And I tried for the life of me because I can't remember a performance like that in a Power 5 versus Power 5 game where someone got 12 receptions in a single half. Now, you can go back and look at, like, that Zay Jones guy at East Carolina that caught like 140 passes. I'm talking about two power five teams. Correct. I don't even care if it's a bowl game, if it's a championship game. I don't remember that. The one that stuck out, the one I was like, okay, I remember J.J. Stokes against Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl years back, 93 hmm. season. Wow. I'm like, I think he had like 18 or 20 passes that he caught. I went back. It was only 14 total. So I'm pretty sure he didn't have 12 and a half. But back in the early 90s. That felt like how right. I did on Monday Correct. night. No, that's a really good comparison. Um, on Twitter that night, I was comparing championship game performances, and I put his up next to um, uh, Vince Young yeah. against USC. I mean, and there was a couple people that commented. What were some of the other comments? Well, did, uh, I, they, I mean, some people were backing up Vince Young's. But did they give other suggestions about no, big performances? It was pretty, can you come up with anything – not in, in a half? No. I mean, especially if because that was the beginning of the BCS era and then coming into the college football playoff era. I just don't know if there's been anybody that has slanted the field so much yeah. towards his team like Vince Young and Slim and the Slim Reaper. Like typically when you see that type of performance that Devonta Smith had, it's in high school or or. Like some sort of amazing athlete, P5 going against a poor group of five team where it's just obvious that they they can't keep up. To do that versus the other team that is from the uh, an absolute blue blood of blue blood of Ohio State. I don't mean to make this a Devonta Smith podcast, but it was incredible. It was an incredible, incredible performance. And more incredible that it was in a big game. I'm, I'm thinking of another one now. I didn't think about this before. But again, I was looking for P5 versus P5. 1998, I think it was, Troy Edwards against, I'm sorry, Nebraska fans, but it was against Nebraska, had 405 yards receiving against them. And I can't remember how many catches. I should look that up because, I mean, it it had to be close to 20. Yeah. But but still, incre- th- that was like a preseason game. Who really cares? The, to have that performance in this game, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like it. A um, couple more things as far as coordinating is concerned. I think most of us walked away from that championship game thinking 
you know, maybe Steve Sarkeesian yeah. could have some success at Texas. And then the other side. So, you know, we're all fanatics, right, for our college football team. Sometimes we get way too fanatical, especially on Twitter. But sometimes, you know, the fan takes are accurate. The the heat, the fire that was being shown from Twitter from Ohio State fans towards Kerry Coombs, the defensive coordinator yeah. from Ohio State, I think it was warranted in this well, case. Well, I mean, they were playing a lot of times four linebackers. They were basically saying, we're going to stop the run and you're going to have to pass on us. And they were getting crushed back there. I almost feel like they should have gone the opposite direction and kind of just let them run the ball a little bit. Get some and, Viper. And get try some to nickel. clamp them down. Yeah. And there was, I'll say this about Kerry Coombs. He clearly had no confidence in his defensive backs by, by the midway through that second quarter. When Jalen Waddle would come in, who's honestly literally waddling on one leg out there, <laughs> he, he was playing off him. I'd get up on him and press him, make him get off the line. And That's if really he gets point. past you, who cares? You're, he can't outrun you with one leg. Why weren't they pressing that guy? That showed me right there. He had no confidence in the defensive backfield. That is an awesome take. And I saw something to the same degree, you know, the same degree of take from Ohio State fans basically saying, hey, Coombs, we are DBU. Get back to our defensive backs being aggressive against wide receivers. They were not aggressive. I feel bad for Sean Wade. I mean, is it is it coaching at this point? Is it Sean Wade? Because Sean Wade looked a lot better last year than he does, yeah. th- does this year. Well, he had a lot more help last year, though. Okay, and are you talking in the form of a pass rush? Well, pass rush is one thing, but he had other D-backs uh, uh, Okuda on the other side, so he he wasn't going against but, Devontae but when Smith. O- but when Okuda is on the other side, you're getting thrown at more. Good because, point. Okay, and uh, you know, I mean, I think he's a good cornerback. It's just who can nobody can cover Devontae Smith, first of all. But I also don't think he's good enough like Okuda, where you could put him on an elite receiver and he could shut him down. And my take was, and you know, this is a uh, throughout the year, certainly on Monday night, reading the body language, it doesn't look like a lot of the back seven of Ohio State believes in the schemes that they're at right now. Hmm. And then I got to stand up just a little bit for my guy, Tough Moreland. It ain't Tough Borland's fault. No, that was when, not his fault. Come on. you, can't, you That's not Tough Borland's job. <laughs> that he poor, ain't supposed to be covering Devonta Smith that poor in the bastard. slot. Oh, my God. I mean, I saw tweets out there where they're like, oh, man, homeboy's oil started leaking around the 25-yard line. I'm like, okay, I laughed because it was a damn funny tweet. But at the same time, and maybe I'm looking at this from a, you know, a, a speed-challenged white boy, but, like, you you just can't put him in that spot. It's just that's not what he's uh-uh. there for. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're gonna put someone on, put Pete Warner on him at least. Right, he's got some wheels. Somebody like, that's gonna run. You a know, little bit. tough of their all their linebackers has to be the slowest one between. Yeah, I don't think there's him Warner, think, Baron Browning. I don't. I don't think that's that's up for debate. Um, they just got stuck in the wrong defense often. Yep, and I just got the sense that um, Steve Sarkeesian was just like, if they're going to keep rolling this defense out, I'm going to keep yeah, I'm gonna keep uh, calling this play. And it was always kind of the same thing. It was Devonta Smith coming in motion, coming back out. And when you're not at least a little bit close to the line of scrimmage, he catches the ball with so much space. And when, and, and I, okay, it's kind of a pick your poison. I, I don't mean to make this like simple this down. Like it's the easiest thing, but when he is not getting, uh, hit at the line of scrimmage, moved around at all. 
when he catches the ball, he's got space to get to get going to get to get uh, to be able to make moves. That's almost impossible for a defensive back. Correct, and you got to give Mac Jones credit for putting the ball right where it needed to be every time. Seemingly, thirty-six of forty-five for four sixty-four and five touchdowns. Man, what a huge performance! And you know, sticking on Devontae Smith for a second here, we're talking about all the guys that were out for Ohio State, and I want to talk about Justin Fields a little bit. But they only had their best player for one half, right? And Jalen Waddle was supposed to be their best receiver coming into the season, and and he was a shell of himself. Yeah. So I I can't put I don't want to blame injuries at all for this. I'm still okay. I don't I don't agree with that because. The stage had already been set at halftime, so that yeah, makes a okay. big difference. I'll give you I mean, that. Let's be honest, I, I, I don't even think Justin Fields was healthy. In well, this game. That, so that's what I wanted to say is you could tell there were several throws that he would have never normally missed, no. and he was missing those throws. And that what was clear to me, he was not a hundred percent, and he was in pain throwing the football. I mean, the funny thing is, or maybe ironic, I don't know. This actually wound up timing out pretty poorly for Ohio state in this game, just for injuries and everything for where the yep. game um, uh, happened. I put a tweet out third quarter of the Clemson Ohio state game. That was a physical game, right? Fair enough. And I said, and it was something like, you know, a, a gif of somebody like, you know, rubbing their hands and excitement being an Ohio state fan, knowing that one of these two teams was going to come in to play Alabama beat up. That's, that's what it. That's what we saw. I mean, this was a beat up Ohio State team. Well, and you know, th- there was a lot of talk about potentially moving the game. That there was Rona problems with the Ohio State team, and what we saw was that it was the two defensive linemen and the kicker that were out. Can you imagine? Like, okay, say they moved it back to the next week because that's what they were talking about to to allow the game yep. to happen. Now it turns out it could happen anyway. What if they had moved it back and given Justin Fields another week to recover? I feel like they would have gotten bashed for that. Definitely would have gotten bashed for it. But in the end, if they would have, I mean, won, obviously, or even kind of looked better, I don't know, it would probably still look better on Ohio State. I just, the fact of the matter is, this should not be in any way, stretch, or form an Ohio State bashing situation. No, I think they just ran they into They beat a- the pant. They beat the brakes off of Clemson right. to get in this game. Who in the bleep else were you going to put in this game? Essentially, whoever wound up in this game was going to be a sacrificial lamb to Alabama. And one thing is I want to make sure I I eat my words strongly enough. Najee Harris was a man, too. Yeah, uh, he is. He like the games that it wasn't like this is the first game I watched him. I saw talent in other games. Don't get me wrong. I always just kind of got the impression it was porous sec defenses and a couple times it just wasn't great competition he he ran hard he is he is slippery more than i thought he's going to be interesting to watch on sunday's play because i i I think he is basically a prototypical nfl back especially and i was shocked at his receiving yards he wound up i mean that was the big thing he he certainly got his yards on the ground but they were tough every single one of them he ground out two i'm sorry 22 carries 79 yards two touchdowns but through the air, had uh, seven receptions for for seventy nine yards. Yeah. Great performance, and yeah. and, a, and had a touchdown there as well. Three touchdowns for Harris in the game. Yeah. Man, I mean that's a two headed monster. That's that's between and three the, head and three headed with the quarterback too. So yeah, but I mean, do you think it's that Mac Jones is that great, or did he just have a lot of 
you know, he 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 didn't say, he didn't I'll get hit a lot. He didn't get hit a lot. No. He he had open wide the receivers. Ta- I mean, I did get excited there a little bit in the second quarter when they caused the fumble. Ohio State got back in the game. I mean, Ohio State give them credit too. They got back in the game in the third quarter again. I mean, they got it down to two scores in the third quarter. That's within yeah. striking distance right it, there. It, it actually became a game again. It did become a game again. And I got to say this: How many teams in the country would have even had the ability to quote unquote? make it a game again in the third quarter. No. I think it's fair to say the only team that could have pulled that off was the one that was playing on Monday night. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they took some punches to the mouth and just kept going, and I think Justin Fields did that too. Absolutely. He was getting beat up, and that guy showed a lot of toughness. That dude is tough. He is. I mean, if you aren't, you know, obviously Michigan fans, Penn State fans, you're going to probably hate, you know, the Ohio State quarterback no matter what. You have to have – a, sh- a little bit of respect for Justin Fields on just a is his sheer talent alone, but the beating that dude took for the past two weeks and him still coming out. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's got my vote of confidence. I mean, didn't have a great game, but I don't think he lost any NFL money no, in that game. I don't think so. Either. No, I think if anything, he may, may have gained money just showing his toughness. I hope so. Yeah. So in the end with the loss, Ohio state uh, falls to seven and one, but Still a great season. They fought hard to play football. Yes, they did. And they were able to play almost, you know, quasi full season of football, which is odd, Big Kurt, because there sure seemed to be a lot of people back in July, August, into September that said, no way this college football season should have ever happened. And you're damn right. We're taking a little bit of a victory lap here. Absolutely. On this specific podcast. We got a college football season. No, it wasn't normal, but it was a college football season for the books. Okay. And you and I both back in the summer said that it was absolutely safe to play, that the kids were safer. I shouldn't say kids. I hate when people say that. Student athletes were safer on campus than at home. They were getting daily testing from some of the teams. They were getting, if they if they came down with the row, they were getting medical testing, Im- heart imaging. They were infinitely safer on campus than at home. They didn't have any of that at home. And by the way, you can catch Rona without playing football. That's a, that's the truth. I mean, on this podcast, I just like to say we are not Rona skeptics. Corona is a virus that is out there. We are lockdown and shutdown skeptics. That's what we are, especially yes. when it's applied to super athletes aged 18 to 23 that, like you already said, are getting better medical attention inside the facility than they would outside the facility, especially when outside the facility, again, I'm reiterating what you said, there's just as much, if not more, of a chance to get it. Yeah, I mean, they had something to play for. They had a reason to not get it. They had a reason to not go out and party. They had a reason to to keep within their their little you know sphere of people and and, and not contract it. Or they wouldn't have had that if they weren't playing football. They'd, they'd have been just partying up. Oh, what would I mean? Because and you know, I want to. Dustin Shooty put out a tweet that basically said, you know, I hope this is received correctly, but. Uh, you know, tip of the hat to coaches, athletes, trainers, the 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 players' families, everybody, and the the referees. You yep. know, I think of the referees being out there, uh, ball boys, whatever. You know, every single person that worked to do this 
tip of the hat to you people. It it we did it. We we pulled it off. And in the end, the only time games I mean, let's be honest, the only time games were postponed or canceled or whatever was was by premeditated restrictions Correct. that were put on. I mean not from the coronavirus itself. I'm not I'm gonna re- I, I I had thought at one point I would bring them up, but there was a college football account that I mixed it up with back in hmm. in August. I think we kind of stayed away from each other during the football season. And I'll be honest, I mean, there's a little bit of shallowness involved here. Right after that game was over, I DM'd him and said, weird, you told me there was no way that we could do this college football season. It was 100% not safe. And you asked me, how many people are, how many players are you willing to sacrifice to get the college football season here? And I said, zero. There won't be anybody to sacrifice. We will be able to play this college football season. Nobody will die. I don't even think anybody will be uh, uh, hospitalized other than a fat old coach. We didn't even get a fat old coach in in the hospital. I'm not saying this thing doesn't exist. What I'm saying is there are situations to contain it and work through it therapeutically, and that's what we saw here. See, but that idea of, you know, how many are you willing to sacrifice, that assumes that you can only get corona by playing football. You can get corona anywhere. I mean, it's an airborne virus, for the love of God. It's microscopic. It's highly contagious. It's seasonal. It's regional. And here's one thing that I want to go back to. I, this guy right here, said you, we got to get this this season started as soon as possible. That was a huge blunder by the Big Ten. We should have been playing football First week in September. Agree. So you had as many weeks as possible to make up any games. And that was a... I, the mean, fir- I mean, the first plan out would have been better. I mean, it, it was still starting, I believe, a little bit later in September. But if they would have stuck to the same plan that they I started... I think it was September 3. I thought it was September was 3. Really? That, okay. that first the first game was going to be Illinois-Ohio State. Uh, either Thursday or Friday game. I can't remember. Okay. All right. Long story short... Let's probably get off our high horse at this point. But okay, let me say this though: Did you get a? I got a feeling like an exhale, like a ah, like we did it. Like it was. Yeah. There was so much butt puckering during the season. Like who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Who's out? How many guys are out? Yeah. And so it was kind of a at the end. It was kind of a relief. Like oh man, I can't. We finally did it. We. I did agree. It. And and you know like there were several teams that voted that to not play in a uh, bowl game. A lot of uh, Big Ten teams that voted. Yeah, to not play in a bowl game because and b- the reason why, and then on top of that, just random uh, quotes from other coach from other coaches, maybe not even necessarily involved in bowl games. Maybe in some cases that were in- involved in bowl games, after the bowl game was over, they all kind of said the same thing, which is like, our guys are exhausted. Yeah, this they ha- was they a, haven't seen their families. This was a emotional and physical. I mean, the physical toll they're used to to a certain degree, especially if they're upperclassmen. The emotional toll that was added onto that, I totally get why, why they were exhausted at the end of the season. And, of and course, again, I want to give a big thanks to them. It it is. I mean, this this is just completely selfish. Like, I need college football. <laughs> I do. I, it's a part of my life. I don't know. I I love college football. I love football in all forms, but I love college football, especially the void that would have been created if the sport didn't get played this fall. I think I'm speaking for a lot of people here. Oh, you're not would alone. Would have been immense. And not just for us, but for the players. 
for the yes. parents, for the coaches, Even more so. everybody. Even more so. And I've got and imagine I've if- got direct lines to I'm not gonna like reveal them, but I've got direct lines to a couple players, coaches, and parents of players that <laughs> they wanted this to happen. Of course. Very much so. And and you always had the option to not play the season if you were a and, player. And players took that option. And, and I don't I, if they want that. Good and I don't remember them getting vilified on no. Twitter. They certainly didn't on this podcast. Can you imagine if college football had not played and every other sport was just playing oh. and not having any problems? Oh. How angry all of us and, and you, me, fans, uh, coaches, oh, players, that's all a really good been. point to even think about that is just high school sports going on. Yeah. But no, but you can't. That. But but you can't catch the row doing those things. But you can playing FBS college football. Yeah, that would have been so stupid. Thank God we can only talk about that. Cooler as they, heads prevailed. Yes, they did. Well, not really. They were our the Big Ten's hand was kind of forced. Let's be honest. There's right, no cool heads there. Let's move on. Enough of that topic. Hopefully, I, I mean honestly, when we sat down to do this pod. Getting into hot button political stuff was no, never, never our goal. I would love if very few of the minutes spent on this podcast moving forward are about what we just talked about. I hope so. Let's let's stop it now. Okay. All right. That will get us into housekeeping items. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Fortunately, actually, unfortunately, there's a ton to talk about because most of this is not fantastic, I would say. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's not. It's a lot of it's just happenings. Yeah, it's just. Okay, I think we have. Did we agree to refer to the transfer portal as TP? Yeah, we can do TP because it's just always there and it's full of shit. (laughs) <laughs> okay like, i like, like that yes like, like tp right it's, it's kind of full of shit okay. in, in a right. way i mean right. it's not always full of shit sometimes it's full of piss <laughs> yes um okay here's the deal to be honest the the tp has actually been pretty good to iowa to be to be honest sure um i do understand in circumstances where a player goes to a university it winds up being under some form of false pretenses where the coach gets fired, drastic changes happen. They could get um, put on probation or something like that. Like comically, Tennessee is melting down right now, mm-hmm. melting down. And I, Oh, love, it's fantastic. No fan base, no football program deserves what's coming at them more than Tennessee. For the most part, I want to see everyone happy and succeed, but there are few exceptions, yeah, yeah. That, and that is one for me. You know, I mean, even before the Shiano stuff went down, Tennessee fans, after they boat raced Iowa at the after the, the 2014 football season, uh, the Tax Slayer Bowl, a.k.a. the Hawk Slayer Bowl, they were the biggest pile of jackasses that I have yeah. ever seen. Um, then just Tennessee fans in general. Then you throw on how they absolutely de- try to destroy a man in Greg Schiano. You just add all of that oh. together along with the arrogance that they still think they're deserved a national title from one that they won 25 years ago. 
biggest D-bag fan base on the planet, and it's not even particularly close for me. So you know Dixie Fieldhouse, the big Vols fan that's on Twitter? No. Oh, I'm sure you know who he okay. is. He, I don't know, he kind of faded a long time ago or something. As Mike Tyson would say, he kind of faded off into Bolivian. But <laughs> I've seen him a couple times, and I happened to see him bitching about Pruitt, the head coach, and saying, basically, let's get a new head coach. And I had to comment. I couldn't help myself. You got to think it's Shiano, right? No, no reply back on that one. Anyways, long point I'm trying to make here is a dude that goes to Tennessee – and all this this stuff is going down. You, they should have the ability to transfer out. I don't blame them in that okay, situation. Okay, let me say this about the TP. I'm not anti-TP. All the TP did was make it easier for a kid to say, I want to I want to go somewhere else. It basically gave them an avenue as opposed to, say, basically having to, you know, leave school and then maybe have nowhere to go and nobody has, has you know, view of them. Like, there's no... There's no place to go and say, oh, this guy's in the portal um, or like having to go to your coach. And it's say, definitely grease the wheels. And well, but going to your coach, say, hey, coach, I want to transfer. And then the coach says, well, you can't go here, 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 here and here. So I'm not anti portal. The thing I'm anti is if and when and it's going to happen, they don't have to sit out a year. Yeah, because they, they, I'm sorry. These these coaches and schools put a lot into these players. They shouldn't just be able to leave willy nilly. I agree. If you want to leave, you leave, but there's a little bit of a consequence. There should be some sort of phase one, phase two. Like phase one should be you have to talk to your position coach or head coach before you ever put your name in the TP. And then phase two, there should be like a 30-day waiting period. Something like that. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea because so right now when they notify the school that they want to go into the TP, I think it's – 48 or th- uh, 72 hours that they have that that the school actually has to place their name into and there's a physical portal like a web page right. that has all of them in there so well, it's not a physical portal they don't actually it's an electronic to- portal okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry it is not a physical portal it's a virtual portal if it was a physical portal there wouldn't be as many dudes inside it that's it true. would be scary being inside that portal i think we just i think we just fixed this thing. maybe that's it you have to actually fit yourself into like a spherical type it like pushes in on your shoulders. You're like, ah, get me out of this thing. All right. But I think there should be, and there will be, I bet, at some point, restrictions put in where you you can't just make up your mind. I I was not a good decision maker when I was 19 years sure. old. Sure. I, I don't think I was a good decision maker until I was 30, to be honest right. with you. But to do that at, at 19, 20, 21, I think there should be more time. More time to relax on a emotional thing that's happening in your life to be able to talk to more people. And I think what we're going to see as it becomes easier to transfer and you don't have to sit out, a lot of these guys are going to look around and say, Oh crap, I have nowhere to go. And, and that's sad. It's it's going to happen. And unfortunately they're, they've only got one person to blame. That's themselves. Right. But yeah, again, but again, it goes back to that decision-making. I don't know. Yeah. It gives them a lot of power yeah. right now. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the TP a little more. All right. Northwestern cornerback Cam Ruiz is in the TP. And it seems like this is more of a thing about playing time than anything because A.J. Hampton was coming on, Cam Mitchell. They've got Ron Hurd. He was probably the third or fourth cornerback next year. Yeah. So I think we've been talking a lot about the Northwestern TP stuff, right, and is there smoke? What's what's the fire there? I think the smoke is petering out a little bit. The smoke is petering out. Um, In fact – 
So, okay, before I move on, so that's by Louis Vicare at Wildcat Report. He also reports that wide receiver Malik Washington has untp'd. Yep. He TP'd, Unparted. he untp'd. So yep. he's going to remain in Evanston, Illinois. Um, but the point I wanted to make about the smoke and maybe no fire, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. The American Football Coaches Association at We Are AFCA has named Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald their 2021 president. That would tend to think that he would stick around in the college football world. So you, do you ever watch those survival shows where people have to go out in the wild and survive on their own for weeks Naked at a time? and Afraid is one of them. Naked and Afraid is one I've of never them. watched it because, you know, the commercials alone, the bodies that they show me yeah, in the advertising, I'm like, I don't want to see that naked body for they, an hour. They really only put a couple good-looking gals in there. For the, I, I, I used to watch that show religiously. And yeah. There was not a whole lot of good-looking gals not a whole lot of good-looking bodies in general. Right. So that was tough. But the thing I'm, I'm trying to get to is these are all trained survivalists for the most part. So you'd think they'd be able to start a fire in the wild, and they'd try to start a fire, and basically they'd have the little kindling, and it would be smoking and smoking and smoking. Never fire. Only smoke. <laughs> They, nobody ever started a fire on that show, I don't think. Like that I mean, uh, sometimes. But very they, rarely. It, very rarely. And if they did, they. did they celebrate like Tom Hanks? Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When they fi- but then they'd show them like training beforehand and they're starting fires left and right. Hmm. Weird. But all kinds of smoke, man. So you, you see the smoke coming up and you're like, okay, this has got to catch fire. Yeah. Nope. Interesting. So this is, this is merely a, a fire in the wild, not catching fire. Actually flames. Gotcha. I got you dead there. Good okay, job. so let's retract back to Nebraska wide receiver. Wandale Robinson has also entered the TP and transferred to University of Kentucky. So I thought it was interesting, his comment that he put on the Twitters. Quote, it was about 50-50 with my mom, who I guess had some sort of health issue, and how I was used at Nebraska. I love the touches. Uh, take taking out a couple words here. Don't those don't always translate to the NFL. The touches, basically, he was saying the touches I got at Nebraska don't always translate to the NFL. All right, so I probably will not do a very good job of organizing my thoughts on this. I'm probably going to dance on both sides of the fence. But um, with Wandale, um, so with that comment there, it is generally considered that. He was used too much as a running back. Yeah. He wanted to be more of a slot receiver. Yeah, I get it, I guess. I'm just thinking if it was me and I was like the guy on the team and they their coaches came to me, hey, you want to run the ball? You want to catch the ball? How about throwing the ball? I'd be like, yeah, all the above. Agree. Give me the ball. There's no way that Wandale or anybody that's commenting on this situation can look at Scott Frost and say, you didn't use him enough. No. Now, did he get used exactly how he wanted to get used? Probably not. But when does any player get used exactly how they wanted to get used? Other than a offensive center. I mean, your job is to snap the ball. I mean, there's not so much, you know. Um, Now, with that being said, okay, the reasons that, Wandale left are a little bit in flux. Maybe we'll never really know. Okay. But there seems to be an amazing situation going on with Nebraska fans where they are essentially saying, eh, you know, he wasn't that good to begin with. Um, He wasn't that great of a receiver. We didn't really, he's not really a running back. Sayonara. 
No. We've got this FCS receiver coming in. We're going to be fine. I'm sorry, Nebraska fans. Do I think that the the uh, exit of Wandale Robinson means the end of the Scott Frost era and the death of Nebraska football? Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying because essentially that's what you've heard from rival fan bases, mostly being Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. And Minnesota and Purdue, ironically, or probably not that ironic, were the two teams that were rumored to being uh, See, I hadn't heard Minnesota. I heard yep. Purdue. Yeah. Uh, 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 PJ went hard. He, he went hard in the I paint. Mean, even Illinois reached out to him. Why not? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, take, a, take, take a shot. Okay. I mean, it's it's a lot closer to home than than uh, Lincoln is. I mean, certain, Champaign is. Yeah. Because um, he was talking. What he said is he want he wanted to go closer. To closer home. to home is what he said. Yeah. Purdue's closer to home, very much so yep. as well. So you know, um, uh, point I'm trying to make is uh, him. Take leaving uh, Nebraska is is not the the end of the football program, but it's a it's but a blow. It's it's a blow a little bit for X's and O's yeah. and personnel. That's two years in a row. That's that's what they've I was lost their say. best it's wide receiver. Two years in a row, they they lost their best returning wide receiver. Then it is a com- it is a comment on Scott Frost's ability to keep talent in. And happy, and thriving in the system. It is, yeah. I mean, you got we can't you can't ignore that, that at we this can't point. Escape that. And to be honest with you, you know, because he was viewed as a culture dude. There, I've, yeah. I've read multiple comments. I think Frost even said something to the effect of, "If we had ten more guys on offense that were like Juan Dale, we would be winning a lot more games." He always was a guy. I'll say this much. Maybe he didn't love his role. I never got the sense that he wasn't trying his ass off in the role nope. that he was put in. I agree. He was all heart. We had commented on this podcast numerous times for how small he was. He he was a tough dude that, that ran hard. He was powerful, tough to bring down. So I always try to look at comments like this and read between the lines. To me, I just feel like, and I could be wrong here, he was basically saying, I, I want to go home. I, I don't like how I'm being used here, and I'm going to use my mom as an excuse. That is – okay, that's interesting because – Because nobody's going to criticize him for going close to home with his mom, whatever. I don't know what's going on with her medically, but I, – I had the same thought myself. I haven't put it out on Twitter because I don't think it comes off very well on Twitter. Is that too also, mean? Am I being too mean right now? Some might view that as too oh, mean, damn. but if you think that you're the only one that's had that thought, that's okay. not true. Because I would say not only have rival fan bases had that thought, I think Nebraska fans have had that thought yeah. as well. Okay, well, let's move on. We didn't talk about Scotty Montgomery being ousted as the quote-unquote OC at Maryland because, I mean, Locks is really the, the OC. OC, let's be honest here. But. I was never crazy about the Scotty Montgomery hire. He was an NFL guy with the Steelers for a while. Duke offensive coordinator, head coach at East Carolina, did poorly there, and then came to Maryland. I just didn't see a great resume there. But again, Locks is the OC, so they're hiring Dan Enos. Okay, Dan Enos. Boy, that's a name that has made its round. It's made its round. That's the, guys, the point I'm trying to make. So quarterback at Michigan State in his playing days, he was the Central Michigan head coach from 2010 to 14, was mediocre there. Then he went to Arkansas under our boy, Beat. Beetle. Beetle. He, he coached for Beetle. He was the OC at 
Arkansas from 2015 to 17, when Beadle was ousted, spent some time at Michigan and Alabama in the same year, then went to Miami, the bad Miami, the Florida one, <laughs> in 2019. And one year, Are you sure about that? One year out, and then he was at Cincinnati this past year as the assistant head coach and running backs coach. Yeah. What do you think of that hire? Uh, it is what it is. It's not, it's, it, it's nothing that should ruffle feathers. It, it's nothing that should get you excited. Yeah. I just, I don't know that it's a, <laughs> he doesn't have a great resume either. No, let's be honest. But no. again, he's not calling the plays. I think his job is to come in and essentially be an analyst. Give locks a couple things to look at. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Cause locks is the brains of the operation. Okay, Michigan has hired Indiana running backs coach for the same position. I've yeah. been waiting for this to happen. Yep. You know, I think I we've think all a lot of Michigan fans. I'm well. I think a lot of Indiana fans have been waiting for that too. So well, he, not waiting, fearful that it was gonna fearful. Happen. So he was Mike Hart. Mike Hart was hey hey, I heart heart. I heart heart as well. I loved watching he that is, guy play. He is a Big Ten player that of of a dude about our age where he, he brings up good memories for me. I he mean, does. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I would have went against my cart. He was just a f- tough dude. Like he really was all heart. He was as a running back. Not to say he wasn't talented. He was, he was a talented dude, but you know, he didn't make it in the NFL. I mean, honestly, and four year starter of, because of lack of talent, but like, You could tell that he wore his love for Michigan on his sleeve. For sure. So, great recruiter, by the way. That's why this really stings for Indiana. He was actually named a top 25 recruiter by rivals in 2019. To do that at a place like Indiana that's not a helmet school is unbelievable. I mean, this is really one of the best recruiters probably in the country. My guess on why he's a recruiter, you believe – what he's saying because I think Mike Hart 100% believes what he is saying. I just, I just think he's, I mean, I, he's an honest dude. You can just tell he is who he is. It's a great addition for Michigan. Huge hire for Michigan and, and a big blow for Indiana. Moving on, John Clark at NBC Sports Philadelphia has said that the Eagles are interested in Ohio State head coach Ryan Dequath Day. What just, is- just, Mere hours after Ryan Day said that he wasn't interested in NFL jobs. Well, apparently they're talking to him, and he was the Eagles' quarterback coach in 2015. So there's a connection there. See, I think he's got a couple ties to the NFL. He's, he, I think he was with the 49ers. Too. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I know he's got two stints in the NFL. But I, how, okay, so let's. How how good do you think? I guess. Do you see him as an NFL coach? Because I do. Yes. I think he could be a good NFL Absolutely. coach. Absolutely. He's got the personality for it. He's like, I don't know, he's not too much of a rah-rah guy. He's a good X's and O's guy. I think Ryan Day could run Ohio State. I think he could run the Eagles. I think he could run a lot of Fortune 500 companies. I think he is that good and intelligent of a dude. And I do think he'd probably be considered more of a player's coach, don't you think? But I think they pretty much all are these days, for the most part. Dude, I think he is both. He is a player's he might coach be both. and an ex. He's got it all, man. Even the hair, that bastard. <laughs> so let's move on. The reason I I started so there. Do you, I mean, do you think he's gonna go? No, I don't either. No, I think he's. And staying. I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. I I love having the quaff in the Big Ten. I mean, Ten. To, you know, as a non-Ohio State fan of a Big Ten team, 
we probably to a certain degree should root for the bully in the room to get weaker. He just got there. I I like Ryan Day. He's really likable. I know. <laughs> so I want him to stay. I don't know what that means, but that's that's my stance. Well, didn't we do that? <laughs> we did that episode. Oh no! I now I remember. We did the episode of of who you want to have a drink with. Yeah. Like what head coaches? Yeah. He was way up there. I I chose Brom. Okay. But I think now I'd probably choose Ryan Day. Day would be able to. Can we stay on Ohio State coaches or ex Ohio State coaches yeah. for the next? Well, we're going to. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Urban Meyer, the former Ohio State head coach, also University of Florida head coach, has been named the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Can you believe that? It sure seemed to be something, you know, that that was smoke billowing that felt like there was fire right underneath it, and it happened. Um, You know, maybe absence makes the heart fonder. And maybe it's his time on Fox Big Noon, but I've kind of become a little bit of an Herbs fan. Oh, I'm an Herbs fan now. So I love him on Fox okay. Big Noon. I love him. To the point where I'm going to miss the shit out of him on Big Noon. That was the first thing I thought about was, oh, no, who are they going to put on Big Noon kickoff? There, There is a vacuum that he is leaving in his place for that show. I hope they can. It's got to be some sort of we got coach. Maybe next in. episode. Let's think of ideas yeah, for that's a, for replacements on down. Big Noon. That's, good. that's um, a good topic there. With that being said, um, my thoughts on Herbs going to the NFL, I, I, I shared a little bit of this on Twitter. Urban has a huge ego, which is, I'm not, that's not a knock. I'm, I'm, I got well, a little, let's start I got, by saying all head coaches have huge egos. Literally what I was just going to say. So he's no exception. Although his might be. Maybe a little bit. Skosh, yeah. Skosh higher <laughs> up on the, uh, the ranking, the ego rankings. But, um, I, I I still think he puts himself in comparison to all other coaches on the planet. Yeah, he does. Little Nicky is I mean, he's the GOAT right now. It's not even of course. It's not even up for debate. Seven natties now. And, for little and Nicky. Urban's got three. Um if he was able to get a Super Bowl yeah, on then that he can, resume. Then he can hold that Vince Lombardi trophy right in Nikki's face and say, Look at this, Nikki, you failed. I succeeded. Are are we joking here? Are no, we, I'm okay, I'm yeah. being serious. I'm being serious. Okay, I am too, because like, I think that's part of the motivation here for Urban. I think that's a big part. Now, Urban, if you've ever heard him talk about coaching positions, uh, where you should coach, not coach, so and this applies like the ego to every head coach. They want the easiest path to victory possible. Every coach wants that. But Urban has made it very clear that in college, he would never go anywhere except an elite blue blood. He wants the easiest path to a national championship. He's doing the opposite of that right now at Jacksonville. You Which brings s- a lot of interesting things into play here because he didn't take the job at Texas. I I believe that is the case. Yeah, I think so. So what you're saying is... I don't you, think it's that easy to win a natty at Texas. That's And that's what Urban agrees with? Yes. And he and do you, I also think he could have kept his cushy job... At Fox Big Noon and waited for USC to open up. Same thing. That's the one thing I think. I think he could, would have taken the USC job. And he just didn't want to wait around for another year? I don't know that he would take the Notre Dame job, to be honest with you. I don't think he can win a natty at Notre Dame the way things are right wow. now. Wow. Okay. It's a bold statement. I don't know if I... And, he, and I don't think he would want to go to the SEC. Because no, he did that, he's and he, did, he's, he felt too dirty. He's done with the SEC. Agreed. So there's, there's not many programs in, the, so, in college football that he would go to. Right. Um... I am 
I am borrowing on probably no less than like two or three podcasts I listened to this week where herbs was the hot button topic okay. and they talked about it a lot. So I wish I could give credit where credit's due. I just, I can't remember where I heard this from, but you know, essentially he is an ultra competitor and apparently he was doing an interview with 24 seven sports and they were doing recruiting rankings. This was like three, four, five years. I don't know. Five okay. years ago, whatever. Okay. And they said, you know, if you're ranking it, it's a competition. I want to be number one. Wow. And it, I mean, it was 24 sevens recruiting class ranking. That's what herbs thought process Boy. was. Then the, it's kind of rolled into this. And I've heard this on multiple podcasts where they talk about, and, and, you know, read it on Twitter and stuff where people have talked about how one loss alone has almost crushed urban to the point where, you know, he almost has a nervous breakdown. What's he going to do in the NFL? He actually came out with a quote at his press conference okay. and essentially I didn't said, hear the presser. He, it, I, I've only, only caught snippets, but essentially what he said was, I'm not going to, he's not going to live and die on every loss. He's not going better to not. be it's the NFL buddy intricate to every detail I'm in a professional league with professional players and coaches. I'm going to trust other people to do their job. Hmm. Urban is the ultra competitor. Trust me, he will drive his coaches and his players to get better. I do think you are going to see the ability. If Herbs goes, I mean, this is this would be amazing. If he goes eight and eight his first year, he's not going to have a panic attack and nervous breakdown. <laughs> it's not. I, I hope not. And I believe, I believe they will have success. He sees things. He has an innate ability to see things and relate it to his coaches and players. I believe his style of coaching, his brain, his aura will translate into the NFL. Do Am I saying that the Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl within three or four years? I'm not saying that. The Jaguars will look better by 2023. Well... I'm not sure, to be honest with you, because we saw Nick Saban try it, and he failed. We saw Spurrier try it, and he failed. And they both failed pretty miserably, right? And don't you think at those times we thought as highly of those coaches as we do of Herbs right now? But then the the flip side of that is Pete Carroll. Do you think Herbs will make a rookie offensive lineman cry in camp? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Saban? No. Did Saban do that? You don't remember that? Oh, is it that that thing with uh, Pouncey and uh, like the and, and I don't remember Richie who it Cognito? was, but Saban just undressed a I think no. it was a rookie. I'm almost positive okay. it was an offensive lineman, and he literally cried. Wow, I didn't know. I never heard that for real. No, I'd never heard that. Yeah, that's a that's a that's. A but I could see Herbs doing that. I don't know. I'm I'm fifty fifty on this one. Plus, it's okay. the it's the Jaggy wires like. How, you know, they're just this moribund you franchise. Know, you know what the problem with the Jaguars is? It's those, it's those teal uniforms. I mean, they've improved them. They they need to do something. They just start over. Could you? That would be great. I mean, I would be more of a Jaguars fan. How could you not? How, why wouldn't Jaguar. you want to start over? And by the way, the the owner of the Lots Jaguars, of yeah. he's Shad Khan. Shad, he, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. an Illini. Is he really? Yeah, he's an Illini. Nice. He went to University of Illinois for his undergrad. It always comes back to Illinois at some point. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. Shad, I hope you get got the right guy here. I'd like to see him succeed. I would here's what I know. Whenever I start up Madden again, I'm starting with the Jaguars. Yeah. And I'm gonna be Urban. Okay, so here's the question. Okay. They have the first pick in the NFL draft. Who does he draft? <sighs> Do you think he would take Devonta Smith? 
Oh, boy. Like, if you look at how the NFL has changed, right? I mean, the players have gone in the NFL in the last couple of years that have made the biggest splash, I think you could say, are wide receivers. Yeah, that's fair. Look at Justin Jefferson this year with the Vikings. Dude, my he goodness. was insane. So he was like my back pocket uh, draft pick in yeah. my fantasy league. Yeah. Oh, boy, did that pay off. Yeah. DK, <laughs> DK Metcalf. Dude, I mean, he has made a gigantic splash for Seattle. We could go on. There's uh, Pittsburgh Steeler, wide receiver. So you're testing no, my no, NFL knowledge here. Ex-Notre ex Dame. Anyways, the, you could make a point that that position is as important as it's ever been. Now, yeah, it's, it's still it as important as quarterback. Their complete lack of quarterback. But the thought process is, what are you looking at long term? Is this a and it is three four year build? If you feel like there's a quarterback the next year that you could get, I don't know. I I I think you will see Devonta Smith pick up steam for being a possible first round pick. But of course, I I think it'll be Sunshine. Well, yeah. So you think it'll be T Law? Yeah. You don't think it'll be Justin Fields? No. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think it's Lawrence as well. He has all of the boxes checked. And he's just so big and, and he's so but he's still durable and he's still mobile. And Justin Fields has gotten nicked up in college. I would go Lawrence. It's not. If if he did go Justin Fields with the pick, I'm not going to go crazy. Like thinking it's the most amazing, you know, story in sports for the year of 2021. It would be cool. It would be a cool story. But I, I think it'll be Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Well, get ready, Urban, because this is, uh, you know, the deck is not stacked for you in the NFL. This is big boy coaching here. You can't just out-talent everybody. Well, the deck was not stacked at Bowling Green. The deck was not well, stacked yeah, at Utah. But, uh, well, that's fair. I guess that's Dude, fair. the guy has been. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. If you do a little. I know you're not. If you do a little bit of research, I mean, there were head coaches that had Urban on their staff back when he was. A lackey at Illinois know, State, and they were like, "This dude's yeah. got it." That's just that's what I think Herbs is. Speaking of Utah, I was just at Rice Eccles Stadium. Yeah, this past weekend. Oh, you were? I was. Okay. I was in Utah. I made nice a point looking, to nice drive look, by the stadium. Nice looking stadium. Nice looking stadium. It's nestled right on campus. I mean, it's shout out to Josh Remfer, one of our listeners, big Utah fan. Okay, yeah. Josh. Well, I got to see Rice Eccles. It was under construction. Rice Eccles is Utah Stadium. That's Utah U- Stadium. Okay. Rice Eccles. Rice Eccles <laughs> I, Stadium. I didn't know. Uh, but it's right on campus. I mean, like it's like in campus. There's you know campus buildings right next That's to cool. it, which was cool. Um, it was under construction though, so you couldn't walk up to it. You could only drive around it. Okay. But there was this one thoroughfare on the one side, and the eh, I can't remember the direction if it was north or not. But on one th- that bordered one of the end zones. Where the the um, like the concourse or the the seating extended over the street that you were driving on, so it felt like you're at like some old, like early major league baseball stadium, like I don't know Ebbets Field or something like that. It was just really, cool. You really painted a really awesome scene. Right oh wow, there. I, great! I, I I was just at Utah last summer. I kind of want to travel back now. Good job. Yeah, I had a great time by the way in Utah. Fantastic place. Great. Did a little hiking. Yeah. Did That's a little what drinking. You do in Utah. Did a little eating. Yeah. Good. And enjoyed my life. Good. That's what I think that's what life's about. Yeah. Hey, thanks for everybody joining this podcast. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. 
This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.